So hello and welcome. My name is Amber Winston, and I want to invite you all to the Return of Ritual online show. And I just want to share a little bit about why I decided to start this online show. Really, it's based on my fundamental belief that sacred ritual and ceremony is lost in our modern society. I feel like, myself included, I'm, I'm in the rat race. And I recognize that that isn't supportive for longevity, happiness, you name it. And so it's my mission uh, to interview as many experts as possible and understand as many cultures as possible about how we can restore sacred ritual into our daily lives. And I also believe that everything is sacred. So even just being alive is an amazing gift. And so how can we start to restore the sacred into every single day of our lives? And so that's really why I started this uh, this journey. And today I have a really wonderful guest with us, uh, Jean-Marie Pinell. And I just want to introduce her a little bit. I met her about five years ago during a classical feng shui training with Amanda Collins. And I remember Jean-Marie kind of being this wise woman for me. And she said, she didn't say much, but she said a couple things a couple times that were like, okay, yeah, I need to, I need to explore that path or you're right. And, and so the, the only way I can describe it is if you've ever had people in your lives that at these most random times, but they give you these little drops of wisdom or little breadcrumbs and you kind of start following those breadcrumbs. That's really how I feel like you've shown up for me in my life. And so I just want to thank you for that because I've, I've literally gone down this healing path because of your words of encouragement. And so with that, I just want to say thank you and welcome. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. And, and this is a, Delightful topic, like you say, the the need to slow down and kind of you know return sometimes to to the wisdom of rituals and ceremonies is is beautiful. So, good job, <laughs> wonderful. Thank you. So, what I've prepared for today is I want to first ask you a couple questions that are personal to you and in your life. And then I want to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about your business and how we can really start to incorporate rituals and ceremonies with children. Um, I know I have a ton of friends with kids and I too would like to have a family one day. And so I just think that that is such a juicy topic and that kids are so primed and ready to participate in these rituals and ceremonies. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my plan for the day. Um, I'd love to start with you. And so if you could, if you may, um, start by telling us ideal morning or evening ritual looks like how are you invoking the sacred into your daily life a beautiful question and i would have to say that i have no um what i liked about your question is like the perfect or intention because i feel i'm one that knows the power of routine and kind of, you know, repeating the same thing. And yet, it's something that I have a hard time keeping up with. So I have noticed that my ideal, my ideal is waking up with the sun. So early morning rising before anybody else in the house is up, 
where I can sit down and do a meditation, whether it is just a quiet time or a theta healing uh, meditation that really, you know, takes you into a very quiet, a sacred space. Um, before that, though, I do like to exercise. So an early morning walk or run and then my meditation and then breakfast uh, with my husband and then off to being uh, thoughtful in my work. I have noticed that if I have quiet time before getting to work, so no computer on, but just journaling, I've recently discovered the beauty of soul journaling which is um, amazing and really kind of letting your thoughts flow. And that has been, that has been really nice. So the idea, the ideal includes all of those. The reality is that some mornings like this morning, I just needed to sleep in. So I got Mm -hmm. up after my husband and I sat down to breakfast with him directly. And he is a talker right from the start and, you know, wants to talk <laughs> about the business and the this and the that. So it, 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 you know, the reality is that it's different. So I'll probably do my meditation after this call. And, and so for me, it's about just respecting your rhythm and respecting sometimes what um, needs to happen, but every once in a while and, and more often than not, it's important to go back to what is it that I need right now. And if that means getting up and walking away from your computer and going for a walk, then do it. Like, especially for me where I have the luxury of working from home, I am, you know, I have my own business, so I'm the boss. I don't have to clock in. So, you know, it's important to take advantage of that. Uh, You know, Friday morning, for example, I actually got breakfast and went back to bed and worked from bed and that's okay. So to me, that is part of that ritual is just like listening to yourself. Like I need to slow down today and take it easy. Or there's other days where I'm going to put some really good music and just power through and get a lot of work done. So it's, it's really more about just tuning in to mm-hmm. what your what your cycle is of of you know the cycle of where you are at in your business and in your, your energy and such. I really love that. I feel like that's touching on a little bit of masculine and feminine kind of energies. And I feel our society and I feel like most people would agree is very masculine dominant, which is kind of driving and you know I have this routine and I have to stick to it and very linear. And uh, I think what's so beautiful about what you're saying is that it's actually this feminine energy that needs to come in and tune in. What do I need in this moment? And that might be cyclical. You know, that might be a week that you're waking up and you're running five miles. And then that might be a week of you're sleeping in till 10. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's a beautiful, yeah, and, uh, a beautiful I reminder. I don't know if you know of the work of Kate Northrup. Have you heard? No. Of- a uh, mm-hmm. wonderful, <clears throat> wonderful person to follow in that she is really talking to us about the different cycles of productivity, of, you know, um, all of that in the, in the feminine, like you say, because 
uh, and I just heard her speak at, a, at an event and I've been following her for a while, but the, the kind of the aha in what you just said is that the men go through a 24 hour cycle where there, there's hormonal shifts and everything within the 24 hours. Women go through a cycle of 28 days, right? So we are wow. kind, we are stuck in this very, you know, male dominant way of what you, what productivity looks like and how you should schedule your days and your meetings and this and that when we're not listening to the feminine cycle or, you know, uh, for some of us, like, like myself, who doesn't, who, who don't have that menstrual cycle anymore, it's just the moon cycle. And, and that she really equates the moon cycle and the menstrual cycle. And we know, you know, we know from ancient wisdom that that is already aligned. So it's aligning also our own personal rituals with that. And I know you do a lot of that work, but to me, it was just beautiful and very empowering and kind of giving me permission to go, oh, okay, yes, I do need to listen to my body and to what I need. So um, yeah, mm -hmm. highly recommend her work. Yeah, I will definitely check out Kate Northrup. And she it just came out amazing. with a book called Do Less, which is all about that. Do Less. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And I'll put that in the notes for people to check out. Um, and today's the full moon. So how beautiful is that? Exactly. <laughs> We're in our full ex expression today. Uh, the next question I have is, how have ritual and ceremony really played a key role in your personal healing journey? Um, I think there has just been kind of big milestones in my life where the rituals of acknowledging and healing um you know were 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 very powerful i don't know is if i purposefully seek them out as much as maybe um i'm attracted to them and and you know that's probably my surroundings, my, uh, my partner who, you know, thinks I'm just a little too hippie sometimes or <laughs> things like that. But I know that every time that I have been in a space of real beautiful rituals and one that comes to mind when you say the whole healing is a, um, a women only, um, ceremony that is called a red tent. I don't know if you've ever uh, been a part of this and it's just beautiful where it is about just sharing our birth stories our birth yes. stories of what we have experienced as birthing mothers uh, what we've experienced maybe in loss of carrying a child what we might remember or been told about our own uh, birth and to me that is just something that we don't pay enough attention to um, birth is is an amazing amazing experience and it can also be a traumatizing experience for some in and but in all of it it's important to be able to share it among women among those who understand what birth is all the birth workers all the doulas the midwives and i i attended one 
one time a ceremony uh, just out of curiosity, and it was just very, very powerful to be able to listen to some extraordinary, you know, magical birth stories and some very hard and, and, and you know, traumatizing birth stories. And, and there's, there's, you know, some for everything. And it really made me look into what my birth story was and, and, you know, how I was relating to the births that I've had and the, the losses that I've had and all of that. And I think it's just, like you say, it's healing and it's a way of processing all of that. That is very, very important. Mm, I couldn't agree more. I, my husband has actually done a lot of study with Leonard or he, he recently passed away, but the whole rebirthing mm -hmm. uh, school and, and that when he did that training, he came back and he started asking those questions. He asked his mother, you know, what was my birth like? And, and she had to remember. And, and he, through that process, I think it was actually very healing for him because he learned things that, you know, that needed to heal a little bit. Um, and same with me. Then I asked my mom, you know, Hey mom, tell me about my birth. Like, how did that go? And she's like, Oh, well, it was 23 hours and your heart stopped. And, you had to have enough, I had to have an epidural and, you know, we had to get your heart back going. And so it just gives you a, a new way of kind of looking at things and maybe how you first came into the world, which I think is such a great thing to explore. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah and, and for me though, it's, it's important. And I remember now um, also something, and this was when I was expecting my first the the I was doing some prenatal yoga and the uh, instructor, I remember the first course asked us what we had been told about our own births. And I think that it's really important, like you, you went back and asked your mother, but it's important to, to be, because I, I just want to say this to those who might be expecting or, or soon, is that was her birth story. It does not have to be yours. Like you, you get to live your own birth story and, and it's, and it's going to be a magical one. <laughs> that is such a great reminder because I feel like people, you know, even when my girlfriends are pregnant, they've made comments to me like, everybody just wants to tell me about how traumatic yeah. their birth experience was. And I was like, stop listening. Yeah, no, you, you, <laughs> you know? really have to, you really have to protect and put yourself in that very protective bubble of, you know, what you're, you're nourishing this new life. You're nourishing your, your, you becoming a mother and, and all of that. And, and, and we have to be very protective of that very, very sacred space because you know, we are inundated with horror stories of what birth is. And I have, I have uh, had the privilege of attending uh, two home births and they were purely, purely magic, magical. I mean, in one birth was a, what we call an orgasmic birth that was just like, oh my gosh, this actually does happen. So like, wow. inform yourself of other than, you know, it, it's not hospital screaming women, you know, in pain and all of this. It, it, it can be truly magical, but we need to be in ceremony and prepare ourselves and, and be really in that trance of, you know, giving life. And it is, it is, it is magical. How would somebody prepare for something like that if they, you know, I've always wanted to do a home birth and I have friends that have 
you know, thought about it, but then again, get scared or go back into their fear-based mindset? Like how would somebody prepare um, to explore giving birth in their home or what would be some good resources to share with somebody who thinks that that's something that they might want to do? Well, for one thing, uh, you know, you and I live in San Diego and it is an amazing, amazing, beautiful uh, natural birthing community. So a lot of very supportive um, midwives and doulas here. And for me, it's really about uh, a mindset. It's really about understanding in the deepest core of you that this is your uh, natural essence, like you were given uh, the powers to create, right? And you and your child know what to do. Like it is, it is, you know, million and millions of women have done it before us. And it is just, it is just a natural process, right? Mm -hmm. Just like, just like pregnancy, when we are that first trimester, we feel awful, we're tired, we're, 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 and that is actually nature telling you, slow down. First trimester is the most critical one. The heart is being uh, processed. The, the brain is being created. Like, slow down. This is why I'm giving you this task of, you know, wanting to eat and just sleep because you need to, because you are creating life. So being very intentional and aware of our bodies and then just really, if you are healthy and there are no complications during your pregnancy, you are, you know, a home birth is just a natural, natural event. You know, it's, it's, it's like doing just about anything. And it's so it's preparing. And, and there are now a lot of beautiful uh, work like uh, hypnobirthing, which is really about very deep meditation to me. It's really about getting into a theta brainwave and, and, and riding the waves of the surges of your body, you know, pushing this human out and just re kind of relabeling all of what we've been told, you know, they're not, um, they're, they're, it's just like, using all the positive words of how your body is actually, you know, creating this human and, and that you're working together, you have a date with your child that you're going to, to be meeting and that you have to really respect nature. For me, it's just a, a, this very deep understanding of respecting nature. And then the best way to prepare is to uh, seek out a midwife who is uh, certified to do home births. And let me tell you, they come so prepared. They look like they have a little hospital on their back, in their backpacks. It's just amazing. And they come fully prepared. They come with um, usually a doula who is also a trained midwife. And there's two women there helping a birthing uh, mother. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful way of welcoming this child. And it seems so much more natural. I mean, I had two hospital births. So being witness to a home birth was like, oh my gosh, why didn't anybody tell me about this? Like, this is the way to do it. Because you're in your own home, you get to walk around the way you want to, you get to take a shower when you want to, you eat what you want, you listen to the music, you turn off the lights, you've just got candles, you're just happy and you have your baby and you go back to bed and snuggle with your baby. I mean, what, you know, what better way to welcome this child into your life? It sounds amazing. It and, is. and it also makes me, makes me think a little bit about the partner too. So it's, 
it's probably something that both partners would need to agree upon and kind of align about because I have a couple friends that maybe the husband would be like, oh, no, like I'm afraid. And so really bringing the partner into the conversation and, you know, whether they're interviewing midwives, make sure that they're there and that they can really feel comfortable. And like you said, this is a natural process. It is. And And there's there's beautiful work to be done. Like there's a a woman here that does uh, birthing from within which I would highly recommend if, you know, one of the partners is, is kind of stressed because it helps us let go of the fears that we have around birth uh, and such. So there, it's a, you know, it's like parenting and, 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 and mothering and childbirth and everything is a lot, a lot of inner work. It's a lot of, you know, self-development and, and kind of, you know, taking a, 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 a real clean look at our uh, at our own fears and all of that and and doing the work of letting them go so that we can we we have to we have to create the birth that we want and that's one thing more than anything like there's not one way of doing it you know home home birth is for some hospital birth is for some others but to me what is most important in all of this is that as women as women who carry children and who birth children we are mighty, mighty powerful. And to never let anybody tell you how you need to birth your child. That is for me the most important. Like you get to decide, you get to make the choices, do your homework because there's plenty of things out there of people that are going to tell you, oh, your baby is too big. We need to give you a cesarean. And that that's not, you know, that's not necessary or, or, you know, there's, there's definitely cesarean that are important for medical things, but there's a lot of, I think, misinformation. And so we, as the birthing mothers are not empowered to make those decisions for ourselves. So that's, that to me is the most uh, important thing. Like when we are pregnant, we are the most healthy and the most powerful that we will ever be. So don't let anybody treat you like you're, you know, sick or handicapped or you can't do things because you're creating life. Like that's so magical. (laughs) That reminds me of, um, you know, if you have a baby after 35 in the hospitals, they call that a geriatric pregnancy. Yeah, well, I and had I'm one. Just, at, I had one at thirty nine. So <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. But it, but it makes me think about the positive languaging that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Like, what you know, why yeah. why is it called that? Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, this is a great segue because now I just wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk about you have a fantastic podcast, The Art of Parenting. Mm-hmm. You're also the founder of your parenting mentor. You work with lots of children and families, and I think. Your work is very inspiring and very much needed uh, in our communities today. Um, can we talk just a little bit about how you think families or young mothers can start to incorporate rituals with their children? Any kind of tips or tricks that come to mind that we can share with our audience? Well, I mean, rituals begin, you know, for me from the very, very beginning. And that is, first of all, by making sure that you have your, um, your support around you, um, your, your village, as we say, because for me, the first 40 days of life as a mother are 
crucial for you to be in in a symbiotic relationship with your newborn and your newborn needs you so you need each other and that is that is to me very important and that is ancient wisdom and it is um highly respected in many many cultures except for ours here in the US where you know unfortunately we see, you know, moms who just given birth three days ago are dressed and out and about and all of this, which is okay if that's really what you want to be doing. But I don't know as if that's that's more of a pressure from society than than the natural instinctual thing that we would rather be doing, and that is sleeping and feeding our baby and just snuggling with them and, and, and smelling them and just being like, go back to that, that very animal instinct that we have within all of us. So that would be really that first ritual is really to respect the new life and to respect your new life and really kind of give yourself the time to, to really move into it with with grace and with with really asking for help so that you are well nourished so somebody is there making sure that you have nutritious food uh, so that you get all the sleep that you need and the only thing that you should be doing during those 40 days is sleeping feeding yourself and feeding your baby basically and and and, and really nothing else so that's why wow. we that's why we need support around so that our partner is supported so that you know we don't worry about laundry piling up and things like that so in my courses you know i give you a lot of how to how to be able to go about that and kind of uh tips and tricks and all of that but that to me is is like the first ritual and then it's important that you have um and and this i do a lot in how we set up our environment at home with the newborn where the newborn is going to need from the very beginning what we call points of reference. So really areas in the home where they know that they are going to be tended in a certain way. So whether it is where you are going to be sitting down and feeding your baby, so whether you are breastfeeding or bottle feeding, but that in itself is a ritual. Feeding is, is, is a mm. connection. It's giving life. So we are really sitting down and intentionally connecting with the child and, and, and giving them nourishment. Um, and then where we're going to take care of them physically. Uh, for me, a beautiful ritual uh, that I know I incorporated in the, in the care of my babies was a massage. I did a daily massage. I would just put some nice uh, almond oil on my hands and just really kind of, you know, wake up all of those senses and they loved it you know and they they knew that that time of day when they were sat you know laid down on that mat that's what they were getting so it's really about the consistency of these routines and children especially young children are very very sensitive to uh, order so to to the physical order but also to to like you say the rituals the routine so if we can be kind of having those same movements same times of day and everything without making it you know like it, it's uh, military style or anything like you know we there, there's things that happen but just know that that is like 
you know, before the bath to, to give a little massage and talk to them and let them know what their, you know, little toes look like and everything. That is important. You're connecting, you're giving them a sense of awareness, you're giving them uh, meaning to their body scheme and all of that. So things like that and, and really setting up the environment so that you have those, those points of reference. Um, the ritual of putting a child to sleep is very important and I keep it very, 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 very simple from the beginning because it is something that you will be doing for many, many, many nights. So make it something that you enjoy doing and that is, that is simple and not you know, too drawn out. Uh, things like that, because it's true, those, those rituals and those routines that you establish those first few months are going are gonna to be around for a while. So, you know, be intentional about it, think about it, and know that the child really, really needs those uh, consistent routines so that they have a sense of what to expect. They're not fearful that you know, what's going to happen to me today? Like they have this sense of, of real uh, confidence and, and what we call trust in the world, which is really those first few months, that's what you're giving to the child. You're giving them this very important pillar to go on in, in the world is to trust that they have been born into a safe place where they're going to be well taken care of, where their needs are going to be met, and they they kind of know what to expect. Uh, that's really the the main focus of it all. Mm, I I think those are so helpful. What about for those who have um, those moms and dads out there who have like a little bit older children, like maybe six to eight? Do the needs change a little bit with the structure and the routine, or do they? You know, they, they what is what is yeah, they do. And and here for me, it's really um, from the start understanding that um, we need to incorporate our children in everything that we do in our homes. And uh, this might sound like, oh, what is this crazy lady saying? Because what are young children capable of doing? Well, you'd be surprised. They're capable of way, way more than we give them credit for. And they are wanting to do what we are doing. They have been observing us and they are eager, eager, eager to help and to do what we're doing. So for older children, for me, it's really important to incorporate them into what your daily routine is. So is it, you know, taking the laundry and out of the dryer and folding it? Involve them. Is it uh, maybe on the weekends we do some food preparation for the rest of the week? Involve them. Uh, you know, sitting down for dinner every single night, that is the most important ritual for me in, in a family home. Involve them. They need that. They, 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 they thrive on that. Um, so it's really about, you know, for those older children, it's really about incorporating them into the the community of what is the family like you know i I, i'm often uh saying to to parents we are not our children's servants we are their guides 
And so it is important for us to set up rituals and routines that involve them from a very, very young age. Like don't wait until they're teenagers when, you know, they, they want nothing to do with you to tell them like, it's your turn to cook dinner because that's, you know, it's not going to work. Like do it when they're, you know, three and four and eager to help you. And when they're, they're teenagers, that will happen just naturally because it's been, it's been part of the foundation. It's been part of the routines of family life. It's really about thinking of the family as a community of really running, uh, you know, sometimes I also equate it to like running a business, like you, you really have all of the different parts and you need everybody, all the team members to work together. Um, and so, yeah. You said something that struck a chord with me. You said that our children are observing us and they're probably observing us all the time. And so with the current cell phone epidemic, I'll call it, uh, where a lot of us are on technology a lot of the time and technology has brought in us some amazing things. I'm very grateful that we can do this. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of time where we're uh, maybe checking out and on social media or just perusing the internet. And I think about families today and parents who are doing that and we're all guilty. I, you know, I sit there with my husband in the room and we're both on our cell phones. So I'm the first to to say that I'm guilty. Um, but how would you, can you just talk a little bit about seeing technology in the home and how children are observing parents on technology and what you think that that's doing to maybe the social structure of the family unit? Well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, first of all, just being aware that it's, it's, it's not going to go away, right? It's, it's, it has become part of our social structure and our children, it's part of their DNA. Like, I mean, when I, my first phone, I actually got it when my daughter who was entering high school got her first phone, like, we got it together and she's the one that showed me how to use it because, because that's just the way our generation is, right? They, they know, they know better. So I'm, I'm one of those parents who really, you know, um, I guess I'm just a lot wanting parents to be a lot more in tune with their intuition and to knowing that they have senses uh, and just kind of off track, like, and, and some people might think I'm crazy, but like baby monitors, baby monitors drive me crazy. It's like, where's your, where's your auditory sense? Like, do you not have an ear to hear your child crying? You have mm-hmm. the instinct to even know before your child is going to wake up that they are going to wake up. So be in tune yeah. with that. Like stop this technology and leaning on, you know, and, and I've, I've gone to homes where they're just fixed on the monitor watching their child sleep. It's like, get a life, like stop this, right? So that's, <laughs> that's kind of a parenthesis. But the whole phone, okay. you know, it's, it's not going to go away. So let's create habits for ourselves that are going to be helpful. So if one that I like to tell parents is when they are home with their children, put the phone away, put the phone in a cupboard, right? If you are expecting a call, whatever, you know, let the ringer be on, go in the cupboard, pick up the phone, 
talk on the phone, put it back. So really use it for what it is, is a phone, a, a, a communication, right? So that you're not, if it's put away, you are not tempted to just have it in your back pocket and take it out whenever you have a moment of, you know, you don't want to deal with the silence or your thought or whatever, right? And, and then, yeah, so that's, that's one trick that I think is, is very helpful. Um, I really like what uh, the Apple phones now have come out with kind of the screen limit. It, it also gives us mm-hmm. triggers to, to stop them. So definitely use those. I know I, I need to use those because I can, you know, I need to post for business, but then I get sucked down the rabbit hole of checking out what everybody else is doing. And then, you know, half an hour has passed and like, oh my gosh, okay, that was a waste of time. Uh, So those are helpful. But, you know, knowing that And, and the other thing is when you do pick up your phone to look on the Instagram feed or go, you know, say out loud what you are doing say, oh, I'm, I'm going to look at what my girlfriends are up to on Instagram. So that, so that you are kind of saying it out loud. And so sometimes saying it is going to make you think like, okay, that's kind of, that's kind of nonsense, right? It's almost like the, the triggers um, when you're working with like a nutritionist where they have you write down everything you eat you kind of think twice about picking up that candy bar because you know you're going to have to write it down, right? So it's the same it's yeah. kind of the same idea. It's like tricks that we play on ourselves. So if you're saying out loud, oh, I just need to scroll <laughs> scroll through Instagram, uh, you know, to 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 empty my brain, uh, then you're 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 saying it and you have you're using it with intention or Oh, I just need to text daddy to make sure that he brings milk home. And that's it. You do it, you put it away. But you're saying out loud what the what the the phone is being used for. So that it's not just them seeing us just, you know, being gone from them. And and it's really, I mean, I do see it as 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 an issue because I do see a lot of kind of disconnection and, and kind of, you know, parents not connecting with their children. You know, it makes me so sad when I, when I go out and I see, you know, a family at the restaurant and they're all on their phones or on their iPads. It's like, hello people. Like we are here to connect. We are here to, to communicate with each other. And so so it's just being intentional and, and, you know, leave your phone in the car. If you're together, why do you need a phone anyways? You're together. You don't need to, to call each other. You're sitting next to each other. So turn off your phones, leave them at home, leave them in the cars, use them for the tool that they are. So for me, for example, I use it for work. And at, you know, 5 p.m., it's off. It's on airplane mode and, and I'll see the messages in the morning and that's okay. Uh, so it's just, you, you get to make those choices, right? It's, it's just like the birthing mother. You get to make those choices. So it really depends on how, um, you know, how much of a techie household you want. You know, I made the choice, for example, to not have a TV for many, many years when my children were young because I didn't want it in the home. Uh, I made, 
you know, the, the choice not to get phones until they were teenagers. Um, I made the choice to never buy any video games or Xboxes or all that stuff because I prefer spending my money in traveling the world with my children. So we get to make the choices. We get to parent the way we want to, right? So don't, don't you know, if you are somebody who's really into technology and that's okay, but make sure like I, you know, like I said, they are watching our every move. They are absorbing what it is to be human on the planet today by watching us. So give them the best of yourself. Give them what, how you want them to show up 20 years down the road. Mm, that is so, so spot on. Mm. And I, I feel like a lot of people's um, commentary back, uh, with regards to technology and children, or I have a couple coworkers who, you know, their child is in elementary school and wants a cell phone for Christmas. And the argument is always, well, I have to get it for them because if I don't, they'll be behind. And I think that there's kind of a consensus amongst people that, yeah, we have to give technology to children because that's where we're going. And if we don't, my child is going to be behind. That is, that is absolutely great marketing from the telephone companies. But your child does not need a phone at all. It's, it's, he, they need to be outside playing in the mud <laughs> and, 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 and exploring in nature and, and, and really building on all their senses, especially those young years where all of our senses are being developed. This is when we refine our senses. So when, when I see studies of, you know, children entering kindergarten who have no, no dexterity in their fingers because all they've been doing is swiping, that to me is, is mm. to me, I, I, it's criminal. I mean, it's just, it's not giving children what they need. So, you know, it's great advertisement from, from manufacturers that, you know, oh, they'll be behind. They'll never be behind because when it is time for them to really need that tool, I mean, and need is, is, is a big word, there will be new things anyways. They will be totally different. You know, the phones we have today will be completely different in five years. And those children will know right away how to deal with it because like I said it is part of their DNA but they do not did they do not need to have devices in their hands for me and and I'm kind of maybe an extremist this way but they really do not need any devices before 10 years of age like there is no for me there is absolutely no benefit to brain development uh, to have a screen flashing, you know, lights at you and having your, what we call our prehistorical brain on lock mode is, is what, is what, you know, screens do. And that's why they're such wonderful babysitters and things like that, because they, they put the, the, the brain on, on pause and they're just, they're, they're, you know, they're mesmerized and hypnotized. And unfortunately we now know today that all of that is also, uh, you know, is, is prone to addiction, is prone to, to needing. Uh, when I read reports of, you know, eight-year-olds being treated for iPad addiction, I say, wait a minute, like, let's rethink how we deal with these devices. Like, let's be the adult in the room 
and we deal with our own addiction with, you know, our social media habits or whatever, but let's not, you know, let's not give that to our children so early on when they don't have yet the brain development for self-control. I mean, here we are adults and we have a developed brain to be able to have self-control and we can't even do that. And so imagine children who don't even have that part of the brain developed, what are they supposed to do with it, right? So be very, very, very mindful and intentional about um, your use of, of screens with children. Yeah. I, I love all these. You got tips me on my soapbox I, there. <laughs> I, no, I, I love it. And I, I don't have children yet, but I couldn't agree more. Um, and I feel like there's probably so much information that you have, Jean-Marie. And I know that you have a, a beautiful guide that we can offer to our, our listeners. Um, it's a PDF and it's create a calm, stress-free home for you and your baby. Um, and so I think that this is a beautiful offering. Do you mind just sharing what that is? For yeah, it is just me. I just put together really what I consider kind of the, the minimalist approach to creating a nursery. We tend to, um, <clears throat> you know, the media has us believing that we need all of these gadgets and, and things to take care of our children. When honestly, if you are, uh, you know, a healthy human being, and you've decided to breastfeed, you don't need anything. You've got food on you. <laughs> you've got your own arms, and that's it. So like being really intentional about the things that you bring into your home. And you and I know, you know, working in, with Feng Shui and everything, it's important what you bring mm-hmm. into your home. So for me, <clears throat> it's just something that I put together of really what I believe are the bare necessities and kind of the essentials for the the nursery and I have you know <clears throat> also a kind of a different approach of of you know creating a nursery in the sense that I don't um I don't recommend a crib for example which is really um, no because it's really it's a container that we put our children into so that we feel safe yeah. and that we can walk away and think nothing's going to happen to them but really, they need to see the world not from behind bars of their crib, but from a bed on the floor where they can really have the whole visual sense of their room and so that they can have the freedom mm. of movement. And when they will be able to crawl off, they will crawl off. And when they are tired, they can crawl back on. So it's really from the very beginning, trusting that we all have very strong instincts and that when we are given an environment to flourish in um we're 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 capable of so much so so that's what that little um pdf is about is to kind of give you a different perspective on on what a nursery could look like oh thank you so much for that i can't wait to to check it out myself and i think i'll wrap up with our last question which is if you could just share one wish with everybody listening today, parents, soon to be, what would be your wish for them all? Uh, my wish is that you trust yourself, that it's really parenting is a joyous, joyous experience, and that 
I feel that we make it harder on ourselves than it needs to be if we take the time to really tune in to ask ourselves, you know, what do I need? And to be able to really take the time to slow down and observe our children and not anticipate and not have expectations and judgment and comparison, but really observe them for who they are, then you will know in your heart what they need. And so it's really, it's really going back to really trusting that very strong instinct that we have when we are uh, gifted with a child. Thank you. It's been such a joy chatting with you today. I feel like I've learned so much in just a short period of time, and I feel like we could chat for hours about these topics. So I just want to thank you so much for, for being here today and for chatting with us. You're very welcome. Thank you.